0: morning so twice in the last three days i've been called a cult leader i'm just warning you okay last time i checked cult leaders want them want people to listen to them and just do whatever they say without questioning how often have you heard me say that you need to test every spirit including me can i get an amen on that one Man, you need to test the scriptures. So, <clears throat> we're going to do a couple things this morning by way of announcements. We're gonna turn our mics on. Thank you. <laughs> That'll help. <Wow>. Thank you. <laughs> so, we have the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar coming up in a few weeks. November 5th, Saturday. And so, we also have information, little sheets... And little save-the-date cards to stick on your refrigerator. So if you'd like one of those or more of those, the the save-the-date cards and the information sheets are back there. If you'd like a poster for maybe not your bedroom, but maybe somewhere public, that would be great. I also received uh, a little cakewalk sign-up sheet. Uh, I've chosen not to participate in the cooking of cake thingies. (coughs) Uh, for the sake of those who would be coming to the bazaar. But I know many of you ladies, uh, uh, Mrs. Drillinger was told on this morning that she does a great job by putting a little this and putting a little that, and that comes out amazing. I've been the recipient of some of those meals. They're amazing, and dessert. So, uh, Carrie, if you'd like to sign up, we'd love to have you do that. But anyway, we'll start right over here. There you go. And... uh, My wife has a, uh, I I don't know. I'm not a cult leader. You all know that, I think. You know, the word of God is the standard. But my wife does have a cult following for her her scones. I mean, she is known in the uh, law enforcement sector that I don't think Sharon will ever, ever get another ticket in her life. (laughs) I mean, that's just how how good they are. They're amazing. In fact, uh, we have... Law enforcement officers asking to come over for coffee to our house. It's pretty cool. So, (laughs) anyway. Just just put a license plate, (laughs) Scone. Yeah, Mrs. Scone. (laughs) Yeah, Sharon Scones. Yes, that's the way to do it. All right. So, a couple other announcements. Uh, uh, Family photos. Family photos. How many of you have ever uh, asked Jamie... ...to do family photos other than what we do for the, the church body. How many have ever had her do that before? Yeah. She does amazing, amazing photos. And I'm not trying to get more business, you know. we just start <laughs> charging. But uh, next Sunday and the Sunday following, she's going to bring her camera... ...and uh, she's going to take updated photos uh, for the church body. And so uh, there's been lots of changes, uh, new folks... Uh, folks, uh, here's more loss, hair loss. And so, you know, we always want to make them up to date. And so, uh, please please be prepared. Let uh, other family members know who may not be here that uh, we are going to be doing that next week and the week following. Because we want to update our, our uh, entryway, uh, the family. And uh, I, I was blessed, we were blessed with a painting that I want to put out there as well of the old building. It was painted in 1971. It was painted by an artist that um, is nationally recognized. It's original, it's probably worth a ton of money. Um, I think it's amazing and we got it for free. He painted it for a couple that were married here. They're friends, they asked, he painted the building and uh, then they kept it, they both passed. And uh, the son had it, realized it was this. And he goes, well, we have this painting and we don't really know what to do with it. Would you like to have it? And so finally uh, we, we have it. So I'm going to bring it out so it'll be kind of beautiful. I'm going to have something like welcome home and then the pictures of our family and then the picture of the old church building, which is just gorgeous. Wait till you see it. It's like a, a what's a Kink, what, Kinkade? What's that guy's name? Thomas, Thomas. Thomas Kincaid. You're going to see that it's, he, this guy did the same kind of thing with light, the Thomas Kincaid type of, of painting. And so it's very beautiful. So anyway, what I meant to say was, please be here next week or the week following to have your beautiful mug photographed by the one and only Miss Jamie. Can we get her off for Miss Jamie, by the way? Woo-hoo! I I called her yesterday, or wasn't the day before, and she goes, oh yeah, I would love to do that, so thank you, Miss Jamie, I appreciate it. All right, tonight's assembly at our house, the Compton Homestead, we're having a guest preacher, and he's going to be decked out in in the nines in his uh, uh, deputy outfit, because as soon as the last amen happens, he's out the door to go catch the bad guys. Uh, Darren Kendrick's going to be preaching tonight at uh, the Compton Home, said, really would love to have you come out. Uh, First sermon he's ever done, and uh, he's going to do a great job. He was uh, sharing with me a little bit about what he wanted to talk about. And I'm telling you what, this is amazing. That guy took a scripture that I had a mindset about, and he changed my complete understanding of that passage of scripture. Wait till you hear it. I was kind of like... Okay, that's exactly right. It's amazing. Wait till you, wait till you hear it. I hope you can come out. So uh, Fifth Sunday Rally. I don't know if I have my little flyer here. There's, so you got, somebody got a flyer of the Fifth Sunday Rally out there? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. They were uh, included in the, excuse me, in the bulletins. One's, this one is not as colorful as the others. Uh, preacher Kirk Parks, when he was a little kid, Used to go to these things called the Fifth Sunday Rally. And he's, he's bringing them back into vogue. Uh, I'm not sure what to expect. When I was a little kid, I was not going to church, I was terrorizing the neighborhood. And so, uh, but I'm kind of excited to see what this is all about. It's October 30th, beginning at 6 p.m. at the Alvador Christian Church, uh, hosted by them. And it's an evening of congregational singing and fellowship. And uh, the Lord's Supper will be served. In fact, uh, Preacher Kirk is going to be giving a a masterful Lord's Supper presentation. I'm very excited about it. And so uh, I hope you all come out and support him. That would be great. One last question. I want to see a show of hands. How many of you really love and appreciate Kirk and all he's done for our congregation here? I mean, he's done a tremendous job. Kirk and Melissa want to come back. They want to come back, but they also want to stay. So, I mean, they're in this, they're in this, we we want to stay and serve them and I'm excited and I'm sometimes kicking myself because I suggested that he might be a good fit for them when their preacher up and left for more money and literally, literally just up and left right before uh, Resurrection Day. And so uh, Kirk went out there, did a masterful job on Resurrection Day Sunday, and he's been out there ever since, and he's been doing a great job, and they want him to be their preacher. Isn't that awesome? I think it's awesome. But they still want to come back home every Sunday. They want to be an assembly here. And they asked if we'd be willing to move our assembly 15 minutes later. If I could ask the men and, and... and uh, I'll ask Jeff to be the strong man. He's got thumb cuffs. I would like to still get out at 12.15, but be able to preach a sermon that's a little bit more than a 20-minute sermonette. So uh, when, in fact, he does begin and they change their schedule to accommodate him to get out a little bit early, and we start 15 minutes later... Then they can come out and they can assemble with us. Would anybody have a problem with that? If 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 I get you out at twelve fifteen, like we normally do, you're saying oh, I thought we we're supposed to get out at noon. Check. It's always twelve fifteen. Okay. It's, no matter what, it's twelve fifteen. So and and nobody seems to rush out unless they have a twelve o'clock appointment. So I I get it. I'm I'm understanding. So, um, if you would be willing to do that, that'd be great. If not, think about it, you know, be think about others. I mean, they need, this is what Kirk said, I want to be fed even though I am feeding others. I think that's a great, that's a great yeah. thing. So I appreciate that they want to come back and be a part of, continue to be a part of the body here. How many know that Timothy, by the way, served two congregations? How many know that? He served two congregations. And so here we have a Timothy among us. Mr. Kirk Parks and his lovely bride Melissa. So, all right. So, Fifth Sunday Rally coming up October 30th. Uh, Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar got that done. Is there birthdays coming up this week? Any birthdays coming up this week? I looked in the bull or the directory and I didn't see one. But is there one that might have been missed? You got one coming up, Max. You were doing like this. Oh, what? Oh, your birthday is on the Pumpkin Spice. Okay. Well, we'll, re- we'll remember to sing to you before the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar, okay? It's so, Okay, good. All right, here we go. Uh, I only got one word. Of- yes, uh, Jeff. Men's meeting the 23rd. Yes, sir. Men's meeting the 23rd this month. Oh, to talk about this? Okay. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Excellent. He's going to talk about things going on there. Good. I'm glad that he's doing that. Here we go. What? Now, that was the 23rd of this month. Sunday. Okay. And he'll be here. I guess so. (laughs) That's just like that preacher on Alvador. Man, I know about that guy. All right. Here we go. Tamara, thank you for the years of faithful prayer for real and genuine needs you are helping god work miracles i right? am amen to that over and over and over again you are a reminder that our god is the god of the impossible love you so much and there's hearts here and it's in purple writing in this beautiful print so i think it is probably mrs hunter there you go all right did i get it right mrs hunter yes i knew that okay good all right are we done with all that now any other announcements? No more announcements? Okay, let's, let's get to it. Grab your Bibles. Turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Oh, I always like to start that way in the morning. It's kind of fun and fluid. Uh, and now I'm under the gun to get out of here by 12.15. So, and is my fault, not yours. Ephesians chapter four, uh, beginning in verse one, it says, therefore I urge, uh, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge or implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace now there's one body and and one spirit just as you were also called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father uh, of all who is over all through all and in all that's a beautiful passage of scripture ken did this really wonderful uh sign and notice ephesians 4:1. walk in a manner worthy of the calling. You get to see it every Lord's Day until the end of the year, and you get to hear it every Lord's Day until the end of the year, because we're going to continue working on this till the end of the year, saying, really? Yep, there's, there's, there's enough here to do that. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians and chapter 2. Philippians in chapter 2. This passage always challenges me because of what we're called to do and be as christians therefore if there's any encouragement in christ if there's any consolation of love if there's any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind maintaining the same love united in spirit intent on one purpose Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, how thankful we are for your word. You've called us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called, we know that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We know that your light consists of some very important, magnificent character qualities. And dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we would recognize that that these character qualities are critical for us to develop family ties, trust willingness to to yield to others, to help them and serve you in so doing. We would pray to your Heavenly Father that you would help us to recognize this morning that we need to be diligent about that work. We need to be diligent about that business, that business of being united together, one heart, one mind, one purpose. Help us, Father, to see that this morning and Evaluate ourselves to see if we're really making the grade. We're living according to the standard that you've called us to in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. How many remember reading about Noah in Genesis chapter 6? And it says that Noah walked with God. Noah walked blamelessly with God. That's a powerful statement. How many know that Enoch walked with God? And in walking with God, Enoch was taken before he passed away physically. Now, we know that Noah didn't have that experience, but we do know that because Noah walked with God, God gave him what he needed to do to be saved. Amen? What did he tell him to do? I'll give you this blueprint, this beautiful blueprint of this amazing ship. I remember when I was teaching uh, one of the younger children's uh, uh, Bible classes many, many years ago. Uh, I asked them to go outside and take a look and see how tall the church building is. How tall is the church building, Jeff, do you think? Well, to the top of the gale part, 30 feet. 30 feet, okay. Now, it's rather interesting when we start talking about the dimensions of the ark. Okay. The dimensions of the ark, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall, three foot football fields long. So we go outside and I say, see the top of that building? That's not even close to how tall. See how wide this building is? I think, it's, I think this is 60 feet, not even close. Still got more to go. And then f- three football fields, we actually measured it out. We started over here, we went way down the lane pretty awesome a huge boat he told Noah how to live his life for a hundred years that it had to all do with building the boat to save his family and anybody else now might I suggest that the church is the new boat you need to get into the body of Christ you know the body of Christ is the only thing that will sail through the next judgment it's not water judgment it's fire judgment The church is fire retardant, fire resistant. It will not burn and it will not be shaken apart. Aren't you glad Noah's ark didn't shake apart? God made sure and he gave the pattern. We have a pattern this morning. The pattern is what? Going back to the book of Ephesians. Walk in a manner worthy the calling with which you've been called. And then it tells you how to do that, how to walk. The first one is humility, humility. Remember I asked you the question, hey, would you trust an arrogant person that was unteachable and knew all things and they were so prideful they told you so every time you talked to them? Would you trust that kind of person? Why? Because they're what? Self-focused. But would you trust somebody who's humble, who's willing to serve, to help you out whenever you ask? and they're consistent in it, would you trust them? See, there's a big difference, isn't there? The opposite of humility is pride. Humbleness is being willing to yield. Yield to who? Yield to Jesus Christ. Yield to God. But we read on, it says, and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And then the next phrase, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit. I wonder what that means. Unity of the Spirit. You know, I think, I used to think I knew what it meant. I think differently now. Because how many of you have ever read that? You just read it and go, yeah, unity of the Spirit. That sounds cool. Yeah, I can do that. Not sure what it is, but yeah, we're doing that. Well, let's ask the question. What? does it mean for the called to diligently preserve the unity of the Spirit? That means that you and I individually need to do something to preserve the unity of the Spirit. How many know that the Scripture teaches that we are a diverse group of people? Look at at verse 7 in Ephesians chapter 4. Each one of us has been given a unique special gift and talent. So we're different, man. We're diverse. But now we're called to be united, unity of the spirit. One group united. I don't know about you, but I've ever worked with a group of people and some people are just like, are you kidding me? It's tough. When you get two or more people together, it's tough. I mean, sometimes husbands and wives don't jive, right? Right? Then you add kids to the mix. Then it really gets exciting. And then add a bunch of families together. Woo, we're off to the races. That's why he says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. So each one of us has to choose to do that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the booger in the the milkshake or the fly in the buttermilk or however you want to put it. I don't know, but I figured I'd get your attention. I don't want to be that one who's not walking in the spirit so that we're united in the one mind and one heart and one purpose of Christ Jesus. Amen. By the way, whose spirit lives in you? That's right. Absolutely. Whose purpose should you live for? Christ's. Whose voice should yours be if you are a Christian? Christ's voice. What about the sacrifices, Christ sacrifice, for you or for others? Did Jesus ever sacrifice for himself? Think with me for just a minute. Think of a scripture. Did Jesus ever sacrifice for himself? Can you think of one? It's kind of like the same question I asked a few months ago. Do you ever find a scripture where Jesus cussed somebody out? I've never caught that one either. It's not in there everything he did he did for you everything he did he did for us everything he did he did for his father everything he did was never for himself can i get an amen on that one man i'm glad he he lived selflessly otherwise none of us would be here or at least have the hope of heaven So, brethren, I I want you to listen to a couple scriptures that just blew me away. Proverbs 16 25, you don't need to turn there. There's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I know the right way to go. Really? Is it your way or the Lord's way? If it's the Lord's way, great. If it's your way, probably not so much. Well, here's another one I thought was rather interesting. Many of you have heard this one before. You know, it's in Judges in chapter 17 and verse six. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did or every person did what was right in his own eyes. You think you could trust people in that, in that situation? Everybody's doing right in his own eyes. I want what you got and I'm going to take it. And that's the right thing to do. Man, you couldn't trust anybody in that environment. Now, did you hear something in that verse? You can go back and look look it up to see if I'm telling you the the thing. You know how cult leaders are. They don't want you to look up anything. All right. So go back and look it up. In Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, it says there, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Aren't we the new Jerusalem? Aren't we the true Israel? Here's the question. Is there a king inside of you? Is there a king inside of you? If there's a king inside of you, do you walk on the king's highway or do you take your own highway? I want to walk on the king's highway, amen? Because the king's highway leads to heaven and other people who would follow me would get to heaven too. Because it's not my way, it's his way. I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to figure out that whenever I try to do it my way, it always fails to some degree, sometimes horribly, you know, sometimes not so much. Yeah, I did pretty good. And then, whack. you know, the next I trip. So I want to quickly go through the the describing what diligence means. That's what each one of us needs to be. Diligent in preserving the unity of the spirit. So let's jump right in. Point number one, what does it mean uh, to be called the called to be diligent Well, I'm not going to pronounce that word, but here's what it actually means. It means to be zealous, earnest, and eager. I love that one. In a worthy effort. To be zealous, we all know what zealous means. To be earnest means to do it right away and to be eager. Is there an attitude in eagerness? I don't know about you, but I know there's a lot of people who are eager for football season. They're eager to go to a duck football game. They're eager. They're going to spend all sorts of time, money, and energy. They're eager. In fact, Wild Horses couldn't keep them away. They're diligent about making sure all their plans are in order to get there. I mean, we could do that for anything, couldn't we? My question is, is are we zealous, earnest, and eager to make sure that we're, we're staying united Together as one according to the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 is a rather interesting statement. I'm going to take a look at that one really quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17. I thought this was like, wow. That's amazing. Verse 17. This is what Paul says. But we, brethren, having been uh, taken away from you for a short while because of horrible persecutions, go check me out on that one. In person, not in spirit. In other words, we are away from you in person, but you are always in our hearts. We're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. Do you see what Paul's saying there? That word eager is the word diligent. I am diligently planning and I am zealous about getting there to see you. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you feel excited if someone were saying, I am jealous. I can't wait to see you. I'm doing everything I can to get there. You go, man, they must like me or something. All right. Well, shouldn't we be that way in regards to making sure that we're being who God has called us to be in the spirit so that we can have this union that is powerful in changing not just my life, but more importantly, your life and the lives of those around us. That's what this is really all about. So I want you to look at those other passages when you get an opportunity. They are hugely important. By the way, the next one, I want you to really try to get to it in this, in this uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent to show yourself a workman who handles the word of God correctly. You know if you do that as brother Jeff was preaching this morning, if you'll do that, you're going to grow strong in faith and you're going to be able to really build the kingdom by you being united in the spirit. But I want you to look at the next one. So what does it mean to to pers- or to preserve? To preserve. Uh, many of you know that uh, I am I am not going to be going to Belarus. I was planning on it. Next weekend I was going to be gone. Uh, I was excited about this one event. The lady who runs the October Octoberskaya shelter uh, invited me to come over and help her to make pickles. Yeah. <laughs> Preserving cucumbers is what pickles are. I was really excited. And some of you already heard that I, she gave me a, a, I mean, it was a monster jar of pickles last time I was there, back in 2019. And I only had four days. And you, what are you gonna do with the pickles? They had to eat them, it was great. Pickles, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You ever have pickles for breakfast? Oh, yeah. It's good stuff, man. Those pickles were so awesome, I've never had a crisp pickle that didn't kind of burn my mouth because there was too much whatever is in there. These pickles were just like, wow! So I asked her, would you show me how to make pickles? In fact, I'll come over and I'll you I'll be your little slave. You just, and I'll watch and we'll make pickles. That lady was absolutely over-the-top excited about me coming, helping her preserve pickles. I know that's weird, but shouldn't we be eager, zealous, and excited to preserve the unity of the spirit as much as that beautiful Belarusian lady was excited for me to come over in her kitchen and help her do pickles? I wish you should have seen it. I got great pictures of her and her mom. They're so excited as I was holding my jar of pickles. When I asked them if I could come and they could show me. By the way, I've had her pickles before. So when I got that big jar, I was going, yes! And so uh, it was a great time. Preserve the unity of the spirit. Zeal, excitement in actually preserving. Now, what does the word preserve mean? To hold firmly. To cause one to preserve or stand firm. To keep and not let go look at second timothy 4 Second timothy 4 7 how many of you know that this was written from prison by the apostle paul right before they were going to kill him and notice what it says here in second timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 he says i have fought the good fight i have finished the course i have kept I have preserved the faith of Christ in me. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Look, that word there, kept, is the word to hold firmly without letting go. So when it says, diligently preserve, firmly hold onto the unity of, of the faith or unity of the spirit but the question is what is the unity of the spirit what is it well the word unity there means one united as one to be unanimous of heart and mind what does it mean to be unanimous if there's a vote if we take a vote what does it mean it's unanimous we all vote the exact same way the exact same yes or no or person or whatever. Unanimous. That's what this is talking about. We should be unanimous in the spirit. Well, what does that mean in the spirit? Well, let's go back to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And take a look at verse 11 there. Verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We're going to read verse 11 through 13. He says here, Jesus gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, verse 13 is powerful. Same exact word. Look at verse 13 again. It says, We're to be taught until we all attain to the unity, unanimous, same, one, faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Remember we talked about Jesus being perfectly humble, He's the gold standard for humility. How are we going to, as a church, be united? Unity of the spirit. We all need to be as humble as Jesus. Brethren, I have news for you. I have work to do on that one. So if you have work to do on that one, don't feel like you're alone. We can suffer together. Actually, it's not suffering at all when you're humble. It's pretty awesome when you serve other people because God says, he who waters others waters himself. In humility, Jesus Christ laid his life down and what a beautiful bride he has. Amen? A bride that loves him. A bride, if she is understanding, will lay her life down in serving him. That's you and I, by the way. But humility... How do you serve Jesus, by the way? Do you know? Book of Matthew 25 says, and the king brought those who were the sheep and he says, blessed you of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. If I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, thirsty and you gave me drink, I was naked and you clothed me, a stranger you invited me in, sick and in prison and you visited me. And they'll say, when did we do that, Lord? He says, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. You know, when we are willing to humble ourselves and be patient and gentle and kind and do that consistently just like Jesus, and we each do that, we're going to be serving each other. We are going to be walking, living, breathing, speaking, doing as Christ would do as he walked in this world, remember I've shared this before. In fact, I've shared it so much you're probably going to finish the the statement for me. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He is the the prototokos for all human beings, the prototype. The prototype, in this case, was perfect, and he was put into manufacturing. They manufactured the prototype. You know, when when someone comes up out of the water, boom, another prototype or another manufactured after the prototype comes off the line. We are then what? Christ ones. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. Just in the same manner as the first. I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting. Do you have the fullness of deity dwelling in your body? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Yes or no? The Bible says yes. Yes. When you were immersed into Christ, boom, there's another Christ one. The devil shakes. That's why he attacks young Christians, because he doesn't want them to figure out who they are. Because once they figure out who they are, that they can be humble like Jesus and serve others and share with them the truth of the gospel, the devil's going to lose another soul. Do you see the power then of walking united as one? United in the spirit, walking in the spirit, each one, using your gift, talent, and ability to serve other people. It's powerful. Brethren, what then does it mean to look, or what does this wonderful passage look like? Well, I'm going to ask a few questions. On the back of your lesson plan, there's a couple uh, uh, little questions I'm going to ask. And uh, I'm going to ask them in an interesting way. Do you, do I, do we bear the name Christ? Do you, do I, do we bear the name Christ? What's the answer? Absolutely. You shouldn't be a, uh, is that a trick question by the preacher? It's not a trick question. When you were immersed Bill was crucified and Christ became the resident in my body. It's not like an alien invasion or something. It's not weird like that. I get to keep my my name. I get to keep my, my personality and my gifts. But now I'm a new man. I'm Christ in this body and Christ now can use me to fulfill his will. You know what? Someone outside of Christ can't fulfill God's will. Can't do it. It's impossible. So guess what? For those of you who I've helped and for those of you who've helped me sacrificially, we were doing exactly what Christ wanted us to do, living like him. Now, I got a few scriptures there. You can look at them on your own if you want, but I love it in the book of Acts in chapter 11. It says that the disciples were first called Christians, Christ ones in Antioch. And guess what? That name is carried on. So do you bear the name Christ? The answer is yes, if you've been born again of the water and the spirit. But the next one is, is do you, do I, do we bear the image, the character image of Christ in all we do and say? Now, guess what? If you've been immersed into Christ, you bear his name. You are a Christ one. But the next question is, As are you living like him? Can people tell that? So if we go back to Ephesians in chapter four, if you're there, great. If not, that's fine. But if you turn there, it says with all humility. How about all humility? Are we living with all humility? How about all gentleness? Are we living? Remember what gentleness is about? If not, go back and look at that sermon. Brethren, my question is this. If we bear the name, should we not bear the likeness in our character? And if we bear the likeness in our character, then we're going to be gentle with each other, merciful with each other, forgiving of each other, extending mercy. Time to change, time to grow. But here's another question Do you treat? Do I treat? Are we treating the brethren? In love, just like Jesus. And I give you some scriptures. You see, repentance is a powerful tool because it gives us the opportunity to change. I don't know about you, but I haven't mastered the love of Jesus perfectly for everyone. And I know that you probably haven't either, but I shouldn't assume anything. I'll let you decide about you. It's important for us to recognize that because if we're not loving like Jesus, well, how many know what John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says? I kind of do. I had it memorized at one time, but in old age, I'm losing it. Let's turn there. John chapter 13. Don't tell anybody that, especially publicly online. They might take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I love the song. This is my commandment that you love one another that my joy or your joy may be full. Now, that's the new commandment. It's all over the place where Jesus is spoken of. If we don't love one another like Jesus, people aren't going to know that we're his disciples. And if people don't know that we're his disciples, then a lot of people aren't going to make it to heaven. And so, brethren, my question is, is do we love like Jesus? Or is it all about me? I'll get there when I get there. Uh, you need to come to my house. You need to pay for lunch. You need to pay for the coffee. You need to come to my office hours. That, by the way, just real quick, side notes on my notes. That really burns my bacon when preachers say, I only have a couple hours for office hours. The rest of the time, I'm going to be sequestered in my office doing whatever preachers do in their offices. I have no clue. Jesus always met people where they're at, didn't he? Yes or no? I'll come to your house. I'll come to your coffee shop. I'll buy your coffee. That's how Jesus did it. You say, oh, yeah, okay, let's have lunch. Great, bring your Bible. (laughs) The point is, is that we have to love like Jesus. It's all about the other person. It's not about me. Finally, the last two. Where would Christ be during public assemblies? Where would Christ be in public assemblies? You know where there was a public assembly in Jerusalem? Where it was Christ? I gave you the scriptures. Even when he knew he was going to get killed. In both cases, in the first one and the last one, he knew there was danger that he was going to get killed. He knew that was coming, but he went anyway. I guarantee when you come to assembly, you will not be killed. Remember, I'm not a cult leader. Okay, just saying I am not Jim Jones, all right? It just doesn't work that way. You know who Jim Jones is? Yeah, you'll never have to drink the Kool-Aid. I won't have Kool-Aid, all right? It's been suggested we have a coffee maker here. I wouldn't even do that either because I'd be drinking the Joe. My point is, is that it's important for us to recognize that when there's a public assembly, you're so desperately needed. Why? You're needed. You're needed to encourage the others. How many know it says that that to come to the assembly is for you to spur one another on towards love and good deeds? That, That lovely young lady back there came and gave me a hug. She said, I really appreciate you. Thank you. Been pretty brutal the last few days. Come to find out there's conversation about me being a, it drives me nuts. I wish you, and there are people that don't even know who I am. It's stupid, okay? So it's important that you recognize and understand that we need each other. The world's not going to encourage us to be better Christians. The world is going to be used by the devil to destroy us. We need each other. I need you. You need me. And it's not about, well, you're just making us come to listen to you preach. Can I tell you something? Man, the stuff that goes on before assembly and the stuff that goes on after assembly is amazingly awesome. It is. And then what happens throughout the week? When we encourage one another, I've heard some ladies are constantly calling and encouraging and helping and it just blows me away. All right, it's awesome. Some of us guys need to get that one figured out. So appreciate the ladies. Finally, what would Christ be doing in, these, in, in the private studies and meetings with others? What would he be doing? Would he be trying to get something from people? I'm going to like you, Jeff, because I know that you're really a great construction guy and I need help at home. And so I'm going to schmooze with you, man, so you'll come over and help me put on my roof. I was letting you know that because that's what, you know, cult leaders don't do. They don't let you know their plan. At least I'm honest. I'm telling you my plan. It's the only reason I like you, Jeff. That's crazy, man. Jesus is always about the other person's needs. Always. Are you a Christ one? Yes or no? Whether it's public or private, we need to be about the other person. When people see that and you need help, you won't have to ask. You won't have to connive and and sneak and get a hook in there, you know. You won't need to do that. People will want to help you, and they do. It's amazing. But some of us, like Jeff Drillinger and myself, we don't like to tell people we need something. Right, Jeff? But you have helpers, which is good. So my point is this, is that when we are united in the Spirit, we are actually looking out for each other sacrificially. And if we're all looking out for each other, as I shared at the beginning, a prideful person that's arrogant and knows all things and can't be taught, and they're very proud, just ask them and they'll tell you how much they know. That's a person that's all about themselves. But the person who's humble and helpful and compassionate and patient and kind, that's the person you can trust. You want to build trust? Walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, and we're all doing that, we'll be united together as one. Now next week we're going to finish this little section in regards to the bond of peace. There's an awful lot there. And we're just finishing up at 12.15. Isn't that something How that works? (laughs) Anyway, so let me conclude with let's walk by the Spirit, live like Jesus, so we'll be united as one. Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, I would ask that you would help us to remember, Lord, that we are your sons and daughters, your body in this world at this time. And we are called in this body to glorify you, to manifest your great and glorious character. We ask that you'd help us to realize that and then let us love one another even as you have loved us for all these things are fulfilled in the love of God, and the love of the neighbor. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's get up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to? Go. Can you do that a little bit louder? Jesus said to? Go. Oh, that's good. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.